So tonight, the message is going to be a little bit different. Um, we're going to sort of take a, a break from the verse by verse through Genesis and looking at Joseph and taking a step back tonight, looking at Joseph, but just sort of pausing and looking at one aspect of, of Joseph's life, if you will, because I think it is just so important that I wanted to spend a whole week on it. And then next week, we're going to go back to Genesis 39 and sweep through the rest of the chapters. And it, it's actually going to go pretty quickly from here over the next couple of weeks, looking at the details of Joseph's life. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, please turn to Genesis 39, but also please turn to James chapter 1, the book of James in the New Testament, chapter 1. Because tonight, we want to talk about the triumph of persistent faith. The triumph of persistent faith. Joseph's life is a great example of the obstacles and challenges that one can overcome when we keep trusting God. Keep trusting God. His faith in God was resolute it was steadfast, it was tenacious, it was persistent. I mean, through all the ups and downs of Joseph's life, he just kept, at each and every turn, trusting in God. And here's the deal. Like Joseph, our faith in God is going to be tested throughout our life, which is why we need to make sure that we are building and maintaining a strong and steady faith. Otherwise, we will give up in life. We will give in to life. Uh, we will quit in life. Life will get the better of us rather than through the power of the Holy Spirit. We, in a sense, get the better of life. And that's what Joseph is really uh, teaching us throughout his life. So again, tonight I want to talk about the triumph of persistent faith. And the reason why this whole thing of persistent faith to me is so important is because even as a Christian, at any given moment, at any snapshot in time, you know, you and I can be strong in that moment to trust in God. But it's learning to trust God through the long haul, through the, the elongated maybe times where we're going through trials and tribulations, or like Joseph, where we go up and down and it seems like things are going well and then all of a sudden the bottom drops out and then maybe we go back up again and stuff. And in all these twists and turns, Joseph was just, again, proving that he was just going to trust God in and through all of it. And that's the kind of faith that God wants to build into our lives. So the reason I want you to turn to James chapter 1, just for a moment before we go back to Genesis tonight, is if there's sort of a verse in the New Testament that sort of summarizes where we're going to be talking about tonight, it's James chapter 1 verse 3. But I'm going to start reading in James chapter 1 verse 2. My brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials. Here it is. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces 
endurance, perseverance, uh, staying power, uh, stick-to-itiveness, persistent faith. You could line up all of those terms, and that's what the word endurance means here. Now, something very important. James here is not teaching us that the testing of our faith is what produces the endurance, okay? It, it is our response to those tests and how we respond to them that can and may produce endurance in our lives, you see. We need to already begin establishing faith in our lives. And that faith needs to be strengthened every day and it needs to be steadied every day. The way God produces faith into our lives, according to Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 17, is through the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. When you and I connect with the Word of God and hear God speaking to us, this is how God builds faith into our lives. This is how God strengthens us, which is why we encourage Christians to be so connected with the Word of God and to saturate their minds with God's Word and to take every turn that they can to hear the Word of God, to sit under the teaching of God's Word and to be in an environment where they are taught the Word of God. Because this is how God builds faith. This is how He strengthens faith. This is how He steadies faith. Okay, so when a trial comes, the trial's not producing faith. The trial is testing our faith. It's proving what kind of faith, if any, we have and what is the quality or strength or steadiness of our faith. If we respond in that trial or in that time of testing, if we respond by trusting, believing, placing our confidence in God, faith, then, James says, what God does when we trust Him, when our faith is tested, is we produce this endurance. And this endurance, and every time you and I, in each and every situation in life, when we, when we turn to trust God in that, that's just God then taking that opportunity to build up more and more of this spiritual endurance, this, this staying power, this, again, stick-to-itiveness, this perseverance that we so desperately need. The kind of endurance that James is talking about here is not a passive endurance, the kind of endurance maybe uh, the, the, the quality of one that helps you sit calmly uh, in a doctor's office. This is more the endurance that helps you to finish a marathon, okay? That's the kind of endurance he's talking about here. It's the kind of endurance that you and I need to navigate life. Because just like Joseph, our faith is going to be tested. And, and the great thing about Joseph, we've already learned, is he was only 17 years old when he started to go through all these tests, these trials of his faith. And so, obviously, what that teaches us is even before he was 17, he was learning to trust God. And he was learning through, 
through listening to God and all of that to build up his trust and belief so that when the trials and the testings came, he responded by trusting in God, which then built up his endurance. Because we all know that it's not automatic, even for us who follow God, to respond to God in faith when, when we're, our faith is tested or we go through trials. Which is why some Christians, when you don't respond in faith to God, you can end up actually getting bitter through a trial or a test. Or you can become discouraged in that trial or that test. Or you can grow in despair. Or you can become disillusioned with life and with God through that test if you and I don't learn to respond in faith. So that's why God wants to build our faith. Because it's inevitable our faith is going to be tested. It's not if our faith is tested, it's just when. Which is really what, you know, James talks about here in verse 2 when he says, My brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy, not if you fall into all sorts of trials, but when you fall into these trials. Trials are going to come. And those trials are again going to test our faith. So what we see in Joseph is the triumph of persistent faith. And, and I hope that tonight, if nothing else, that this message alone on the triumph of persistent faith will just continue to encourage us to be men and women of the Word of God, to let God build up, strengthen, solidify our faith in Him, and to realize that every trial that comes into our life is a test. That test is, is proving where our faith is at. Are we going to turn to God in that moment and say, God, I don't understand this or whatever, but I'm trusting you in this. I'm going to place my faith and confidence in you. Or when that trial comes, do we begin to say things like, well, why God? And God, you know, you've done me wrong and... and you know, life just isn't fair and all these things. And again, then when we don't respond by trusting in God, then we can really go south spiritually very quickly. In fact, if you go back to Genesis, before we go to chapter 39, look at Joseph's own father and his reaction to the way things went. And things were going pretty badly for him. Look at Jacob's reaction to things in chapter 42 of Genesis at the end of verse 36. What's Jacob say? Everything is against me. That's not persistent faith. See, Joseph, even as a young man, was displaying more faith in God through the adversity that he went through than his own father Jacob did. Everything is against me. Naomi had a very similar reaction in the book of Ruth. If you read about the account of Naomi, she had a lot of things go wrong in her life, a lot of adversity. And what does she get? She gets bitter. She doesn't respond to God in faith. Her faith is not persistent. It's not steadfast. It's not resolute. It's not tenacious. And therefore, when she comes back to Bethlehem after spending time in Moab and all these things going wrong, her first response is, don't call me Mara. You know, or don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. I, I've become 
bitter because God has dealt very harshly with me. And her concept now and her view of God has become, has become twisted and, and uh, very negative because she didn't respond to the adversity in her life in faith. When her faith was tested, she began to go, you know, what's up, God? What's up? So, let's go back to Genesis 39 and let's see, first of all, that a persistent faith is not shaken by adversity. A persistent faith is not shaken by adversity. Again, even what James says, look, trials, adversity is going to come into our life. We've, we've already talked about this with Joseph. So this is like an overview tonight to some degree. But you know the story now. Here's Joseph who is hated by his brothers. So much so that when he goes to look after them because his father wanted him to, to check out the condition of the flocks, the Bible says that they started to conspire and plot to kill him. And when he got there, they stripped off that robe that Jacob had given him, and they throw him in a pit, and they're going to kill him. And then, you know, some of the brothers like Reuben steps up and says, well, let's not kill him. Let's at least get some money for him and make something off of him. So again, we saw that human trafficking starts even all the way back in the book of Genesis where people are looked at just as a commodity, just as, as, as a, a way to make money. And so even Joseph's own brothers decide, well, let's just sell him to the Ishmaelites who are coming by on their way to Egypt. And then he gets down there and he ends up a slave in Potiphar's house. And yet we saw last week that when he gets there, he doesn't say, everything is against me. And he doesn't say, oh God, you've dealt very harshly with me. In fact, the Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph and Joseph was so trustworthy and, and just said, you know what? This is my situation this is where God has me. I'm going to be the best servant in Potiphar's house. And you know what we talked about last week. He, Potiphar was so impressed by Joseph and his character that Potiphar made Joseph basically the overseer of his entire estate. Why? Because of his persistent faith. The, when adversity came into Joseph's life, he didn't say, why me, God? He didn't think somehow God was punishing him or, or you know, uh, that, that he was, you know, God was taking out something on him or anything like that. He simply said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God, even through the hatred of my brothers, even through them selling me off into slavery, even through now ending up away from my family in Egypt, I'm going to trust God. And again, this is why James says, you and I need to come to a place in our life where we grow as a believer in Jesus Christ to the point that James talks about where not only do we know that the testing of our faith is coming, and we then can know that this is an opportunity for us to prove where our faith is at, and instead of defaulting to un not trusting God, we start learning to, at every moment, 
trust God. But James even in verse 2 says, and this is why we can even look at trials and count them as joy. That's really crazy. James says, now that's the sign of a mature believer. When a believer can, can go through adversity and basically be joyful about it because the, the mature believer is going to understand that in that adversity, God is going to produce a persistent faith. God is going to take that adversity and build endurance in my life. So that I begin as a believer to know that when adversity comes, it's not to be looked at as a negative. It's actually looked at as an opportunity for God to do things in my life to actually build me into a stronger, more committed, more faithful, more steadfast, more constant follower of Jesus Christ. That's what persistent faith will do. So persistent faith is not shaken by adversity. But, also, persistent faith is not spoiled by success or prosperity. Sometimes it's not the adversity in our lives that trip us up. Sometimes it's just the opposite. That when things begin to go well, we stop trusting God there. You know, Joseph, once he got to Egypt and he got to Potiphar's house, and all of a sudden Potiphar gave him the, the opportunity to be the manager of his household, he goes, I've arrived. Maybe this is what my dream was all about that God gave me, this revelation that had prophetic meaning, that I see myself now in this elevated, exalted position. So now that I've arrived, I can take over and, Thanks, God, for getting me here, and now I'll take it from here. And sometimes that's why success and prosperity in our lives can actually be more dangerous to our faith than adversity. Because a lot of times when adversity comes, maybe, you know, we, we start getting serious about our faith and, and, and you know, reprioritizing and, and, and trying to draw near to God. But sometimes when things are going really well, we stop relying and depending on God as much as we need to and should. Because we start to think, well, God, I don't quite need you as much now because things are going well. And what you see in Joseph, you don't see that. You see a young man who is as reliant and depending on God every step of the way, whether he's dealing with adverse circumstances or whether he's at the top of the heap with prosperity and success being part of his life. See, that's that persistent faith. That whether things are bad, whether things are good. And we've even sung about that tonight with the songs. You know, in, in the good, in the bad, God, we see that you're faithful. And we need to learn to just rely on God at each and every turn. Not just in the adversity, but also in the success and prosperity. You even see this even as... Later on in Joseph's life, he actually then becomes the second most powerful person on planet Earth. When the only person basically more powerful than him is Pharaoh over Egypt, which was the world, you know, world's most powerful kingdom at that point. But God had used the circumstances 
and the things in Joseph's life to build humility into Joseph. So that when he got to that great place of prosperity and success and where he was elevated, he didn't get lifted up in pride and begin to use that position for himself. He used that great position of leadership to serve others, which is what we've already seen. God wants to build in us that kind of humility so that when he does elevate us, when he does make us more prominent, when he does exalt us, and he wants to do this, we can maintain our humility and not begin to think it's us. But we still maintain that that faith and that reliance and that dependence on God just as if we were going through adversity. We never stop trusting in God, no matter what. Then we also see out of Joseph's life, as we talked about last week as well, that a persistent faith is not moved by strong temptation. A persistent faith is not moved by strong temptation. Last week, we saw that once Joseph got to Potiphar's house, that Potiphar's wife set her eyes and desire upon this handsome, chiseled young man. And she wanted to have sex with him. And she was very persistent in her tempting him day after day after day. And yet we saw last week that Joseph had created an appetite for God and for righteousness every day so that when he was presented with this temptation, we saw last week, it was absolutely distasteful to Joseph. He had no appetite for it. In fact, something I wanted to point out tonight, if you go to chapter 39, and I didn't touch on this last week, but I think it's an important aspect, in verse 9, where he's talking to Potiphar's wife the first time she approaches him. And he says, There's no one greater in this household than I am. Genesis 39, 9. Your husband has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how could I do such a great evil and sin against God? Not only does Joseph not want to wrong God because in his mind, God has been good to him. Now again, think about that. Good to him. Even though his brothers sold him into slavery, even though he's left his family and he's now in Egypt, he feels like God has been so faithful and good to him. How could he do this wrong to him? But he also says, how could I do such a great evil? And this word evil is such an interesting word. I just want to talk about it for just a moment because it gives us some insight and into even Joseph's understanding of, of when When you and I, if we would disobey God, the the kind of harm and hurt it not only brings to us if we disobey God and sin, but how much damage and hurt it does to everybody around us. So the word evil means wrong. How could I do this great wrong? But again, this word also means hurt, injury, ruin, and misery. In other words, Joseph is saying, when, when we don't do what God wants us to do, 
we end up ruining our own lives and causing misery and pain in our own lives. And guess what? We cause pain and misery in other people as well. In fact, very interestingly too, as I continue to study this word evil, this is where we get the word malignant from. And what does the word malignant mean? It means a very dangerous or harmful something in influence or effect. In other words, Joseph again is saying, what we do, we don't do in a vacuum. We don't sin in a vacuum. Therefore, part of why I am rejecting your advance is because this is evil. And this is evil not just to me, but this will be very malignant to others around me. This will be a very poor example for me to set. Uh, This will be a very harmful influence in other people's lives. So again, Joseph is seeing the bigger picture here, you see. And that's one of the things that persistent faith will do. Because as you and I are trusting in God, we're then going to be very much less likely to give in to to the things that that maybe the world, our own flesh, and the devil put in front of us to try to lure us to go against the Word of God, just as Satan did all the way back in the Garden of Eden, you know. And, and that same principle holds true today. You and I will be able to stand up and say no to temptation through our persistent faith. Because here's why. When you and I build up that kind of a faith, then we truly believe at each and every turn of life, whether, you know, temptation or not, that God's word and God's will and God's way is the absolute best. There, there is no, there's nothing that somebody is going to offer me or you that's going to be better than what God is offering us. So whenever something, whether again, it's from the world from our own flesh, or from our spiritual enemy, the devil, when, when that is offered to us, we can go, but if, if that's not what God wants, then that can't be as good as what God's offering me. See, that's what faith always does. It's always going to say, what God's way has me going is always going to be the best way. No matter what someone else is trying to get me to see, God's way is always best. Next. A persistent faith is not disturbed by false accusations and unjust accusations. A persistent faith will not be disturbed by false and unjust accusations. Again, going back to Potiphar's wife. So here's Joseph, okay? And let me say it at this point too. Joseph should be a great example to us that Up to this point, he really hasn't done anything wrong, and yet look at how he's suffering. I think sometimes, especially in our modern-day, watered-down Christianity, we, we think that if I follow God, and I do what's right, I'm never going to have to experience adversity. And, and I'm never going to have to put up with unjust, false accusations against me. What about Joseph? Joseph actually didn't do anything wrong. He did what was right. He ran from Potiphar's wife. He, had not, he wanted nothing to do with this. And yet, 
because he said no to her, she, obviously, in her pride, was like, I'm not going to let this Hebrew slave get away with this. I'm going to claim that he raped me. And obviously, we're going to see next week when Potiphar comes back, I really don't believe in the language here in the Hebrew that Potiphar believed his wife. I, I think Potiphar knew what kind of character probably his wife was. But Potiphar was in a no-win situation. He couldn't, as an Egyptian high official, just let a Hebrew go and side with this Hebrew slave over his Egyptian wife. And that's why I think that instead of having Joseph killed, which would have been normally what would have happened to a Hebrew slave had that been true, had somebody really believed it, Joseph wouldn't have been alive. That instead of sentencing him to death, Potiphar simply had him placed into prison. But the false accusations and the unjust accusations were still there. And yet again, Joseph doesn't go to prison, as we're going to see next week, and get there and go, I'm done. I'm done with following God. It seems like every time I follow God and do what God wants me to do and do what's right, I end up suffering for it. Guess what? Sometimes that's the way life will go. Which is why, going back to James, God wants to build and needs to build into us a strong, steady, persistent, resolute, tenacious, steadfast faith. Because if you and I don't have this kind of faith, then when we go through adversity, when we end up being falsely or unjustly accused and stuff, if we don't have that kind of faith, we're going to tank. We're just going to go, I quit, I give in, I give up. I'm done. And you and I all know that there may have been times in our life where we did that. Or we may know of people in our lives, family members, friends. We know that that's where they're at. They had adversity come into their life and instead of, as James says, responding in faith because they didn't have a strong, steady faith, they got bitter. They got angry with God. They became disillusioned when bad things happened to them. They quit the Christian life. They fell away from God. They withdrew from God. They pulled away from God's word. They pulled away from God's people. This happens all the time. Which can I, can I just make this statement too? This is why, folks, it's so important that we as Christians and as the body of Christ, especially for new Christians, for baby Christians, or for Christians who've never yet had the opportunity to have a sort of a solid spiritual foundation built in their life, this is why we need to come around them during those sort of formative years. Because it's not that somehow the world, the flesh, and the devil is going to lay off them because, well, they're a baby Christian, so we'll let them go. No, they're going to be tested too. And, and if they're out there on their own, without sort of a support system around them to help them keep a perspective and to see what God may be doing in, in all this, they're going to tank in those formative years, you see. And that's why we need each other even as mature believers. Because even as mature believers, you know, our perspective and our mindset is to, 
It can, it can start to twist very quickly when things like unjust accusations and false accusations and adversity and all these things begin to come into our life, our perspective can start to go bad real quickly. And that goes back to what we just talked about in the book of Hebrews a couple weeks ago. Why God says, shouldn't you as brothers and sisters in Christ be exhorting each other every day so that you are not hardened by sin's deceitfulness? See, this, this is what makes being part of the body of Christ and being people of the Word so important. Because we need persistent faith to finish the marathon of our Christian life successfully. So that we, like Paul, can say at the end of our life, God, I finished the race. I finished the course. I kept the faith. You see. Not every Christian crosses the finish line triumphantly. Life ends up defeating them rather than them through Christ defeating the things that life brings. Which is why Jesus said, be of good courage. In the world you will have trouble and trial and tribulation, but I have overcome the world. And if I've overcome the world and you're in me, then you can overcome the world. Which is why in the book of Revelation, Jesus is talking to the overcomers of the churches. Because he wants his people to be overcomers. And the way you and I are overcomers like Joseph is by letting God build a persistent faith in our lives. Next, a persistent faith is not put off by broken pledges or promises. Boy, this is one that trips us up too. People promise things and they never followed through with them. Well, we know this happened to Joseph, and we're going to talk about this next week in a little bit more detail. But you know the story, probably. Joseph gets thrown into prison with these two servants of Pharaoh as well, the cupbearer and the baker. And they have dreams, and Joseph interprets these dreams. And Joseph tells the one who's going to get out, when you come back to Pharaoh, will you remember me? And notice what it says in Genesis 40, verse 23. But the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And notice that in verse 1 of chapter 41, that meant Joseph spent two more years in prison. By this time, most of us would be, are you kidding me, God? I've done everything you've asked, and now... I, I have this glimmer of hope that, that finally things are going to start going my way and I'm going to get out of prison and finally my life's going to, you know, go in a different direction. And then the hope is dashed. When the cupbearer has a chance to mention Joseph before Pharaoh, he doesn't do it. And now two more years Joseph has to spend. How did he not get bitter? Because this young man had a persistent faith. He understood, if God has me here, for God could have had me out. If God wants me here in this prison for two more years, there's got to be a great purpose and a great reason for it. So I'm just going to continue to trust my God. Two more. Because I want to finish this tonight. A persistent faith is not influenced by human reasoning. 
A persistent faith is not influenced by human reasoning. In fact, over in chapter 45 of Genesis, let me show you this. After his brothers arrive and he's giving them the grain to keep them and others alive, I want you to notice three times what Joseph says, beginning in chapter 45, verse 5. He tells his brothers, now do not be upset that you sold me here. Do not be upset and do not be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For notice this phrase, for God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Look at verse 45, chapter 45, verse 7. God sent me ahead of you to preserve you on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 48, or verse 8, chapter 45. So now it is not you who sent me here, but God. See, Joseph had the proper perspective. Human reasoning would have said, why is all of this happening? But Joseph had the faith to realize that if God was putting him in Potiphar's house, knowing that Potiphar's wife was going to do this, and then he was going to end up in prison, and then he was going to meet the butler and the baker, but then he was going to spend two more years there. But that meant that Pharaoh was going to have a dream at just the right time, so that Joseph... Joseph said, God had this all worked out. God had this all worked out. He sent me ahead. And I just kept trusting him every step of the way that eventually I was going to get to where I needed to get to. I just had to keep trusting God. When we start drowning in our own thoughts and start trying to to, uh, figure things out through our own reason, oh my, that's bad. That's why we need to saturate our minds with the Word of God and be people of the Word. Because if you and I try to look at things from our human reasoning, it'll never make sense. As God says, my ways are not your ways. You're not going to always understand what I'm up to and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. You've just got to trust me. Which is why the book of Hebrews, the author says, without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. That's how important faith is. And a persistent faith is really important. Because again, what Joseph's life teaches is that life is full of ups and downs. Prosperity and success at one point, adversity the next turn. And then finally, a persistent faith is not confined by time. A persistent faith is not confined by time. What do I mean by that? Well, if you go over to the book of Genesis, chapter 50, some of the last words that Joseph says, it's at least recorded in the Bible, are these. Verse 24 of Genesis 50, Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to you and lead you up from this land to the land he swore an oath to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to you. Then you must carry my bones up from this place. In fact, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith, the reference to Joseph is about that. It's about trusting God in the future for what God has promised he will do, but what Joseph will never actually see while he's alive. And that's why I say persistent faith is not confined by time. The greatest triumph, if you will, may have been that Joseph was always able to look past 
his present circumstances to what was God had promised was coming. Even if Joseph wasn't actually going to be a part of it. Joseph was so confident that one day God would deliver his people from Egypt and be able to carry his bones out of Egypt that he made his brothers promise they would... And the book of Exodus, chapter, I think it's 13, tells us that when Moses and the Israelites were delivered, they made sure they took Joseph's body out of Egypt and buried it back in the promised land. See, Joseph, like us, was clinging and holding and believing in the promises of God, even if in his own lifetime he never saw them realized. That's why the book of Hebrews chapter 11 says many of these people died in faith, meaning they never actually got to see what God promised, but they died believing that it was going to happen. I mean, one of the better examples that I could think of is how many generations of Christians died believing that one day Jesus was going to come back, but in their lifetime, he never has come yet. But they died believing that he was going to come one day because he will. And there is going to be a generation that is finally alive when Jesus comes. But for some of us, we will actually die believing in these future promises of God without ever actually seeing it or realizing it for ourselves. That's faith. That's believing in something so strongly that you believe it's going to happen even if you don't actually see it or are a part of it. This is persistent faith. I know I'm running a few minutes over. Bear with me. One more passage. Go to the book of Jeremiah chapter 17 and I'll close with this. I think Joseph is such a great example of what the author is talking about here, which is very parallel to what he talks about in Psalm 1. Jeremiah chapter 17. We turned here a few weeks ago to talk about the deceitfulness of the human heart. But notice the verses before the deceitfulness of the human heart is revealed, beginning in verse 7 of Jeremiah 17. I love this. Notice what God says through the prophet Jeremiah. My blessing is on those people who trust me. And in the Hebrew, it's continually, present tense. Who continually trust me. Persistent faith. Who put their continual confidence in me. That's resolute. That's steadfast. They will be like a tree planted near a stream whose roots spread out toward the water. It has nothing to fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no need to be concerned in the years of drought. It does not stop bearing fruit. That, my friends, is the description of Joseph. And that, my friends, I hope will be something that we strive to be as well. People of persistent faith. Constant steadfast, resolute, tenacious, use whatever word you like. Our faith in God is always going to be tested. Every trial that comes into our life is proving where our faith is at, what is the quality of our faith and the strength of our faith. And again, trials don't produce faith. The Word of God produces faith. 
But what trials will do is give us the opportunity to respond in faith. And as James says, when you and I respond in faith, God then will produce this endurance in our life. This ability to persevere and run the marathon of our life through all the ups and downs and twists and turns, continually trusting God just like Joseph did. Never giving up, never giving in, and never quitting. That's what God wants to do with his people. And I pray that here at the Oasis, there will be a growing group of people that we will be allowing God to build that kind of faith into our lives as well. Let's pray. God, thank you for the life of Joseph for the example and model that he is to all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And God, we acknowledge that we are living a life that will be tested. Our faith, our trust, our confidence in you will be tested throughout our life as trials and adversity comes. And God, at that moment, we have a choice. We can turn at that moment and trust in you and and continue to put our confidence in you Or we can become bitter, disillusioned, discouraged, people of despair and hopelessness. God, I pray that we would every day be growing in our faith, building our faith, strengthening our faith through our contact with the Word of God, placing ourselves in an environment where we are hearing the Word of God always, so that, God, you can truly build up our faith so that throughout all the twists and turns and ups and downs, our faith in you will remain at all times. God, thank you for what you're doing here. Continue to grow us, God, as your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thanks for being here. We'll see you on Sunday.